Welcome to the Film Trooper Podcast, where filmmakers become entrepreneurs. With my dad, he's a dork. Hi, and welcome to the Film Trooper Podcast. I'm your host, Scott McMahon, and this is the podcast where we try to help filmmakers become entrepreneurs. And today, I have a really special guest because he is a filmmaker and entrepreneur. I can't even say the word entrepreneur, let alone spell it. <laughs> Anyhow, I first came across uh, Darwin Carlyle, and he runs First Class Reels. And it's essentially a service to help actors uh, build and develop a um, acting reel. But he's also transitioned to uh, businesses or business people that need a reel to sell who they are, what business they're, um, they're doing, and so on. And the cool thing is that Darwin was actually interviewed on one of the top-rated business podcasts in iTunes, which is Entrepreneur on, on Fire. Let me try that again. Entrepreneur on Fire. <laughs> There's got to be an easier word for entrepreneur. Anyway, uh, and that's a really big honor. I mean, because the John Lee Dumas, who runs Entrepreneur on Fire or EO Fire or whatever he calls it, the um, he's interviewed everyone. I mean, like some of the top business people in the world and his business alone has exploded over the last two years so it was quite an honor uh to have you know darwin be part of this podcast and um it's really cool as someone who you know is a filmmaker needing to build a business um but at the same time his business is there to help others help actors and so on um create their reel and it's a win-win situation for sure and i'm really excited to have this opportunity to talk to darwin and just connect and uh, and it's funny because he heard about Film Trooper from a friend up here in Portland, Oregon, Saul. And and we have to you know find Saul because uh, apparently he's been very good at connecting people this way. <laughs> Without further ado, here is my interview with um, the founder of First Class Reels, Darwin Carlisle, on the Film Trooper podcast. Hey, yeah. Well, first of all, hi. How are you doing? Uh, it's um, yeah. Okay, so um, I just I'm about a year in as well. Uh, I'm Darwin. I run a company, First Class Reels. Um, I went to film school, graduated in '08, bounced around the industry, did a lot of editing jobs, a lot of uh, you know. I worked in films, television, commercials, you know, as, as sort of like an assistant editor, editor, um, you know. But I wasn't really able to find my voice, um, and I started this business about a year ago, uh, basically where I produce performance reels for actors primarily. Um, I also, you know, work with small businesses, you know, individuals, entrepreneurs, uh, performance artists, anybody that needs some sort of a promotional video, which increasingly is becoming, you know, more and more commonplace these days as video becomes more and more part of our lives. It's important to have something that really can stand out from the crowd, look professional, and, you know, particularly in the case of actors, there, there is an enormous pressure to demonstrate what you look like when you're performing. Um, in the old days, you could get by with just a bit of a headshot, and your reel was something that was a little bit more um, just uh, second thought that you would give to agents um, and casting directors on you know a VHS tape and then a DVD, and you know like uh, uh, it, it would be something that you would submit, sort of just showing these are the past roles that I've been in. Nowadays, in the age of internet, um, everybody expects you to have a reel, so mm -hmm. there's so much pressure. There's so much. 
uh, of a difficult obstacle for a lot of actors who are just entering the marketplace. And, and honestly, a lot of actors that have been in the business for a while and may have appeared in prominent roles on television and film, it's very difficult to find good material and, and get a hold of it as a way to show to, show to somebody else uh, what you look like while you're acting. So my services, I write, produce, edit, um, you know, I shoot, I do the whole package, um, you know, giving you some kind of like a cinematic scene uh, that kind of shows you, you know, like shows off what you look like, um, you know, in a in a sort of theoretical, theoretical cinematic role. Interesting. Very cool. Where did you grow up? Are you from the East Coast? No, no, no. I, I'm, I'm actually from Texas. Oh, OK. Yeah, I know. I don't give that impression at all. No. <laughs> I know. Like, it's it's very much – it always takes people by surprise. I, I want to say – got to correct me if I'm wrong. Did you go to Emerson or where did you go to school? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did go to Emerson College. I, so I, I – you know, I've been around. I, uh, you know, grew, I was born in New Orleans actually. Okay. Uh, you know, so sort of southerner by birth, you know, and then uh, grew up in Texas. Um, studied in Boston at Emerson College and then moved out to L.A. Oh, there you go. Um I had worked with uh, Maria Menounos for a little bit, and she's like a col- Emerson College grad, one of their uh, star grads years ago. Nice, nice. But, um, yeah, and uh, that's a cool little college, cool little town out there. Oh yeah, boy, it's a very, it's an experience, man. Let me tell you. <laughs> let me ask you. So, growing up in Louisiana and te- or born there, but did you you hop over a state over to uh, Texas. What? Yeah. Um, when did you know? To, when did you know? Like, did you have like a? Let's talk about the inciting incident. What was the inciting incident for you that said, "Oh, I love film," or I, "Maybe I can be a filmmaker," or something that changed in you as a young person? Oh, sure. Well, you know, films were a big part of my life growing up. Uh, my whole family, big film fans. You know, I remember you know many many nights. Uh, you're just watching these in depth dramas, you know, Oscar winning movies, and then discussing it with my family afterwards. There was a real passion for cinema. There was a real passion for the history of films, what it could mean, the ideas that it could you know uh, sort of bring out in your mind. And there was a particular film, you know, it, uh, people might laugh. But I remember watching M. Night Shyamalan's Unbreakable and really enjoying it when I watched it and really thinking, like, I could do something like that, you know? Um, it was just a really profound experience to me. Um, you know, I just I felt something really resonate within me. Um, and then, you know, what happened was in, in, in high school, I, um, I got enrolled in a multimedia class. They had Final Cut Pro version 1. Um, you know, on one of the computers, and I was the only person who knew how to use a Macintosh. So I taught myself, you know, how to use it, and it just kind of spiraled this, you know, like creative, uh, you know, like sort of path for me. I had a buddy who loved dirt bikes. We just made a bunch of dirt bike videos and edited them in that, and then you know, one thing led to another, and I eventually just you know became the the, the filmmaking guy, you know, like, yeah. and it just became a big part of my identity. Um, and, uh, you know, like I, I, I remember also reading a book by Roger Ebert, the hundred greatest movies, you know, when I was young and it just really filled me with a profound awe for, you know, just like the, the, the effect that a film could have. And it made me really want to participate in that communication in that, you know, like art form. Um, and you know, I guess it's been what spurred me on ever since. Yeah. Yeah. Were your parents creative or the creative field or... My parents are not in creative fields, but they're very much creative individuals, you know, like um, both of them, my mother and my father. Um, you know, my father told me, um, you know, he, he told us uh, stories growing up, you know, a lot of bedtime stories, a lot of, you know, fanciful 
um, you know, like just like creative storytelling, you know, experiences that, you know, kept you going, coming back every single night excited for the next, you know, the next installment. Um, you know, and then my mother, of course, very creative, very much, you know, like, uh, you know, into the sort of like design, um, you know, details that can really, you know, just like really make you think about what brings out a certain energy in a certain kind of room. And, you know, I think I've absorbed that a lot from both of them. And they've also very much, I think, encouraged me, you know, to join theater, to just be a sort of creative, you know, like voice of my own. And I think that those two things working in tandem together really kind of brought me into this. Yeah, nice. So uh, was it an immediate decision leaving Emerson to say, I'm going to head out to L.A.? Or was it like a group of you guys or... Oh, yeah. They, it was de- definitely a, a group of us. Emerson really does a good job of kind of like compelling its students to go out to Los Angeles afterwards. Um, it's it, it, it has a program where you spend your final semester abroad, quote unquote, in Los Angeles. And they oh, set yeah. you up with an internship. Um, they give you a place to stay. And, um, you know, I just had a really good creative team over at Emerson College. It was a really profound, you know, again, like effect on my own artistic style, me some of the guys that I met, you know, freshman year sweet mates, you know, some of them actually are still my roommates. Um, you know, like it's, it's been, uh, you know, a team that has really stuck together over the years. Very cool. Now you're much younger than I am. I mean, I'm, I'm, uh, you know, I'm on the outside cusp because I, you know, I went to college in the early nineties. So, oh, wow. Know, so like I said, um, you know, I've, I worked in professionally, you know, for 12 years after, so back and forth, um, uh, in different you know aspects of the industry as well, but it's interesting to to hear someone um, younger you know what their world was like having you know Final Cut Pro at their disposal. Um, what about like internet too? Like just having I'm say internet, but the building like an online blog or something like that was that part mm-hmm. of your 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 world or other peers and so on? Like it was sort of just kind of a commonplace that people had some you know, online diaries or anything like that? Sure, yeah. I mean, like, I was in Boston when Facebook was still in Boston, you know? It yeah. was something that really, that, that when it first opened up to us, um, I remember there was a big controversy when they spread it to all, college, uh, all colleges, you know, and everybody was up in arms, like, what? You know, Facebook is going to lose its value, and then they spread it to high school, and now, of course, it's, you know, every it's ubiquitous. It's the most, you know, it's it's just an internal part of us. It became a, you know, I think it was a really fundamental um, component of my just outlook on the world. It also really drove my experience in sort of cinematic, like online participation in the intelligence, you know, intelligentsia of filmmaking you know Mm -hmm. like i there are a lot of blogs out there i think that really kind of allow you to find like-minded individuals who like similar kinds of movies and get really passionate and worked up about it um you know i remember being particularly driven the year that lord of the rings was up to up for its third oscar you know like the the return of the kings yeah you know just so many blogs that i visited you know like wondering will it will won't it you know actually win best picture you know, and just little kind of uh, things like that that allow you to kind of find these communities that develop and enhance, you know, and perhaps uh, also in negative ways put you into a tunnel, you know, vision, <laughs> you know, view of the world. I mean, it really does, you know, shape our scope of what a movie can be, you know. Yeah. So 
to that end, I think that's how it affected me. Interesting, because the reason I brought it up was uh, in the Malcolm Gladwell's book, Outliers, you know, he talks about it does sort of matter sometimes of when people are born, because like putting in the 10,000 hours to become a master at something. Mm -hmm. And, you know, um, I'm 42. And so it's like, the internet, I was lucky I was working at uh, PlayStation, which dealt with a lot of the cutting edge technologies. So we're watching it kind of happen. But at the same time, um, the people that we follow, you know, such like John Lee Dumas or Pat Flynn and those types of guys, you know, in their 30s or late 20s, as, as I almost felt like from my perspective, I'm looking at it like I feel like I'm coming. I, did I miss the boat somehow? Like, wh- like where did I – like all these young people just have this the savviness or they put the hours in to build an online business correctly. And when we look back at it, you're, you graduated uh, high school in like, oh, uh, 2008, you said, around that time? Uh, high school was 04, so oh, – uh, Okay, so college. Oh, wait. That's right. Yeah, college. So oh, wait, yeah. look, you're like the perfect example of, hey, I graduated and the economy's completely imploded. You know, <laughs> yes. Oh my God! Yeah, absolutely. That Which, was a defining feature <laughs> of, my, of my post, you know, college life. But it's funny because not only yourself, but the other fellow, uh, the, the influencers that we follow, are in the same boat. But the difference was, like you said, growing up, you had um, it was used to going to the blogs and interacting and being social and and knowing that world existed or that that domain existed. Um, you know, I'm coming from. You know, my perspective was like in 08 or something like that. The, you know, I, I lose my job, lose the you know the economy crashes, lose my house. I have a, a I had a mortgage and a you know a family and a you know everything to support. So my headspace was different. It was like you just got to buckle down and get a job. You know, what I mean, mm-hmm. there wasn't this whole thing like I I'll start a blog. You know, it wasn't yeah. like because I, I wasn't blogging prior to that because it uh, it wasn't necessary. Um, I was coming out of the last throes of the film school era where it was still like be part of a factory, like a, you know, uh, an industry, um, you know, mindset of just like f- you get a job and you work hard and you work your way up and all that kind of stuff. So it wasn't until like years later, as I'm listening and following all this stuff that it dawns upon me, like, this is amazing. Look at everybody's it's flourishing, especially in the last three, four years. And, um, so I was always going like, did I miss something? What happened here? <laughs> so like I, I had to put my 10,000 hours in, like, I, like I'm, I'm lucky that I'm looking into it that I was saying, Oh, there's a lot more I got to learn. But I do find it fascinating. Like you said, your situation, you know, coming out of college, the reality is, is like, well, you know what the 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 system is sort of broken, but that doesn't mean I'm broken. How can I figure my way out my way around this and move forward using sort of the world that I grew up in? So a little bit envious in a sense, like you're you're young and being a great time to start. But for those who are listening that are like my age or a little older, it's still not too late to start. Just like stop, look, there's something changing, and we could learn a lot, a lot from these young people. I think Gary Vanderchuk uh, said it great. He was like, uh, I don't know if you follow Gary V at all. I don't know, but okay. uh, you know, I'll definitely have to look into him. What what is he? What okay, is he so he's like, um, you know, he he's famous for doing like this YouTube wine show for his his family's liquor liquor shop. So he okay. made a, he made a splash, just you know, building up all this like you know when YouTube was on this on the rise, and he built all this following. But he is so like uh, energetic about you know marketing and so on. But he calls himself a storyteller because he realizes that. What he's doing is essentially telling stories, but, you know, marketing is a vehicle or, you know, social media is a uh, vehicle and so on like that. But he had this uh, 
He said he had this like kid that was 18 that came up to him and was like, ah, I'm confused. I don't know what I'm going to do. What, what should I do? He's like just like in angst. Like he's not too sure what he can do with his, his, his business, his online business, all that kind of stuff. This 18-year-old kid. And Gary Vaynerchuk's uh, – Gary V's advice was simply like, are you kidding me? You could fuck up for the next 10 years and be fine, you know. At, 20, <laughs> at 28 years old, you can still start over, you know. So it's like this whole thing of like, my God, you can. You could totally just try everything and not be afraid. And that's why it's so exhilarating watching all these young startups and these young people uh, learning, um, you know, doing so much. And, and like I said, my generation and older can learn a lot from like your generation and younger what they're doing. And, I, and Gary Vee also said that. He goes, do not discredit or discount some of these young people coming up. Because, you know, there's a lot to learn from them because you guys are just in the middle of it. Not to say like we're, we're far off, but I just think I think it's yeah. fascinating to watch and impressive that you were able to say, OK, I'm coming out to L.A. And, we'll get, and then at what point did you say, when did it all click that you said, you know what, maybe I should start this first class reels? Like maybe I can mm-hmm. offer this service. Was there something where somebody asked you if you can help them develop a reel? Or are, are you an actor yourself as well? Um, I, I am not an actor. Um, you know, I, I think that kind of like what I'm taking in kind of like listening to your story, you know, and listening to sort of generational differences between, you know, like kind of like outlooks on, you know, entrepreneurial spirit as it relates to a lot of these things. I, I you know, the, the, the defining characteristic I think that's going to be universal, you know, forever is, is failure. You know, you have to, <laughs> you have to fail in order to start a business, I think, you know, like you, or you have to at least have it on your mind. You know, and and for me, I think that's kind of what was missing, um, kind of like from the first couple of years that I was out in Los Angeles, was this impending sense of why can't I find a job, and not connecting that to any kind of action. You know, like I I I was trying. You know, I, I wouldn't say that I wasn't doing anything. I tried to actually produce a feature film that you know kind of like went into a little bit of uh, crash in flames a little bit. I you know, I I found work. I found work in you know various different parts of the industry, but it was always temporary or night shifts, difficult things to kind of like you know I I don't fare well in an office setting. It makes it really important to kind of like look at that and say what can I do that's a little bit you know like um, I mean off the beaten path you know mm-hmm. and that really you know sort of like uh, caters to my own style you know like what a, what it, it, it's really about knowing yourself through through you know like the you know the adversary adversaries that you go through um, through obstacles you 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 learn things about yourself well I'm good at this and I'm not good at that how can I choose a path in front of me that accentuates that you know and what I believe about myself is that I'm not very good at office politics um, but I am really good at working extremely hard on work that I'm passionate about, that I believe in, you know, like, and anything that is under my kind of domain, I feel that I'm going to just put that much extra effort in just to make sure that it, it that it looks good and that I'm proud of it. So, um, you know, kind of to that end, I just started making a lot of work, a lot of, you know, kind of like artistic projects that really just felt good to make. I just felt like this is exactly, you know, I'm just happy with the way that this turned out, you know, I was sort of between jobs. I just, you know, quit a previous job and, you know, moved on to another one. You know, I had a lot of free time, so I, I spent it making this work. And a common theme emerged from it. I felt that I was really good at kind of just portraying the essences of the individuals that I was showing. 
And then I had a friend who told me that he worked um, – uh, his name's Gabriel Romero and he, 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 he you know, shot acting reels, you know, and – I, 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 you know, thought, hey, wow, boy, you know, like that sounds like a great idea. And I looked into it and there are literally, you know, dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens of these companies out there that, you know, like, you know, close to hundreds almost that, you know, produce and, um, you know, uh, uh, acting reels, you know, mm-hmm. and I was like, boy, there seems to be like an actual market for this, you know, so I, you know, I, I, I was like, you know, I want to get into this. I want to try. So <laughs> I basically, you know, like I, I went out, I started doing it and, you know, I just I felt like it was something that really clicked with me. It really clicked, you know, very quickly. And you know, within like a span of a couple of months, I had a client say that she wanted to fly me out to New York, um, you know, to film her acting reel out there. You know, and ever since, kind of like that sort of spike, it's just taken off. And I really feel like you know, it's it, I, I've stumbled into entrepreneurship <laughs> <laughs> as a way to just continue doing what I love. Let me ask you, it's uh, when you saw, you did your research and seen like there's hundreds of companies that are doing the same thing, was your initial reaction like, oh, well, it's already been done? Or you sounded like you were excited, like, oh, cool, I want to be in this industry. Like you didn't see any like uh, problem that there's already existing companies. So how, how was your mindset there? Sure, yeah. Well, I mean, I felt like I could do a better job. You know? Okay. I felt like I could, um, you know, because because it, it's a hard it's a hard business. The... Um, we are all, all of us, I think, trained media consumers, and our judgment of media is something that we have lightning fast reflexes on. You take a, you know, any kind of a, you know, clip of any sort, and you open it up, and within seconds, you've formed an opinion about <laughs> almost everything. Like it's certainly true of my generation. And I think it's true of. Um, you know, a vast, you know, quantity of people out there and certainly among um, anybody who's involved in the entertainment industry who is just so inundated with, um, you know, like all the different clips and, you know, movies and TV shows that we see. I felt like a lot of the work that I was seeing um, looked like it had been, you know, paid for and produced and there was no passion behind it. Mm -hmm. You know, I felt like there was a real opening for me to come in and say, look, I'm going to take a little bit of an extra time and try and make something that actually looks like it came from some kind of a, you know, a show where there was actually some, I actually had some vested interest in making it look good rather than just making it look like everything else. If yeah. that makes any sense. Yeah, yeah. Let me ask you. It's a difficult. Um, I guess notoriously, you know, actors are fairly poor, right? Or to some, well, that, mm-hmm. at least that's the perception. So, how do you work in um, if your initial clients were actors? Because I know that first class reels goes into like business reels. You know, there's yes, a lot of uh, you mentioned you, uh, reels for like performers, such as magicians and so on, jugglers, maybe uh, things yeah. like that. Um, how do how do you weather or how do you deal with uh, or is that even an issue that people, you know, like I said, a lot of actors I know are, can barely scrap enough together to get a headshot, you know, so. Um, it's actually constantly on my mind. Um, I, th- there are two answers to this question. Number one is there is an alarmingly, I mean, you know, it's hard to understand until you get into it just how much of a barrier it is to actors between you know like wanting to act and you know getting in called into auditions having that reel having a reel that looks good it's very difficult for um 
any actor to get a hold of, and there is an enormous amount of pressure on them. So the marketplace is actually startlingly large for mm. this service. Um, you know, because again, it's the kind of industry where you can be go- constantly going out for roles, and there can be a myriad number of reasons that you don't get a good reel out of it. You can, you know, like the it, it could not be very good. You know, you could not be featured in the clips that you're, you know, like that you that you receive. You could, frankly, just never get the clip. You know, in the first place, I mean, like, you know, if you <laughs> if you star in a TV show on CBS, then you're going to watch yourself up on CV, CBS. You know, you're not going to like, how are you going to get that clip? You know, yeah. it's difficult to it's di- difficult to get a hold of these things, um, you know, and even, you know, even if you do get the clip, it may not be your best performance. It may, you know, you might fade into the background. Um, you know, and in addition to all of that, you know, the director just may not ever give you the clip and may not ever get finished. I mean, I've made projects that didn't get finished. It's difficult, you know. So given all of that, there there are enough actors out there that are willing to spend some money um, that I have been able to make it a personal business of mine. You know, like there mm-hmm. are people who are able to, you know, come in and they have their own side jobs and they're extremely ambitious. I mean, the, all the actors I've met are extraordinarily intelligent, you know, in the most competitive game in town, trying their very, le- you know, their very hardest to just, you know, make it ahead. And, you know, it feels very, I'm very humbled to be entrusted with, you know, like their sense that they, I am somebody that they're worth, that is worth spending money on, you know, and I try to, you know, I take that as a very sacred duty as something I can use to help them further their career. Um, you know, but the second half of that, I think, is there are for, – for every actor that I meet who is able to pay me, I, I meet you know, five or six more who really want my services. But you know, they are that quintessential broke actor. Yeah. You know? So I think a, a defining part of my business and a question I ask myself every day is how can I reduce my prices? You know, what could I do, you know, to uh, sort of alter my services to give these pe- the, these these actors the the quality that they deserve while also maintaining a business for myself, you know? Yeah. And I think that's some that's a question that has yet to be answered for me. Interesting. Now, uh, digging deep into sort of um what what is your perspective of what makes a good reel or, or like from your perspective what makes a good reel and then um Knowing that the reel is for for actors or business people, it's there as a it's a selling tool, right? Mm-hmm. So you're, it's a selling tool, and your most actors they're selling it to casting directors or director or producers, right? So um, has there been any in feedback from like the um, um, casting directors or so on of what they what works for them? Because I, I do know I do know some um, up here in Portland. I do a bit of acting on the part time, and I and know some of the. Uh, casting directors and stuff like that and it's always helpful to kind of mm-hmm. go well, what what do you what's your world like i mean what realistically what are you looking at you know and how do you go through yeah. the breakdown sheets all that kind of stuff and then you know where does a reel fit into their analysis of like um determining like oh let's bring that person in you know for this job i don't know what kind of feedback you've gotten or, or what kind of sure, tips you yeah. can give people well okay you know i i mean i think it's a it's a the, the, it's a it's a complex question um, with a, a multitude of different areas, and the reason uh, I think that there are multiple different answers to that is that there are multiple different 
practical uses for a reel. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the 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 reel is a you know it's a, it's a very new concept, even though it's been around for decades as a part of the entertainment industry. I think the 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 overt pressure to have one is a very new concept that came in tandem with um, the acting the casting websites that are commonly used: LA Casting, IMDb Pro, Actors Access, things of that nature all have a, a, a place where you can upload your reel to the site. And mm-hmm. there are now just basic equations that happen. If, you, if 100 actors submit for a role, um, you know, several of these websites will just shift all the actors who don't have a reel to the bottom. Um, and right. and that, that makes it difficult for an actor who doesn't have a reel to get roles. You know? And um, so, so – so, in in answering your question, one of the first things that you know I want a reel to be able to do is just to be able to get an actor called in for an audition, um, you know, and that you know again due to the various nature of ways that you can be called into an audition, it takes a multifaceted you know like asset you know. So number one, agents want you to have reels. Casting directors want you to have reels. I want something that you can hand to an agent and the agent can look at it and say, okay, yes, this is what I was looking for. This is the answer. This is the solution to my problem, to my barrier in representing my client. This is what I can then use and send to somebody and vouch for this person and get them into the audition. You know, So right. I want it to look – very trusted. I want it to look very, um, you know, like very authentic, very professional, very uh, slick and um, motivated, and and I want it to look like it has a good quality, um, you know. And that that quality, I think, just comes from the element of passion. You know, I I, I think I, my view is if I like it, somebody else will like it, and if I don't like it, nobody else will like it. <laughs> you know, like so so so. You know, so so I kind of like take that, you know, but but an evolving, I think, you know, like increasing use of a reel also is outside of that industry in, um, you know, the a reel can be posted online and shared on social network. You can then use that social network to reach out to other friends of yours who might see it, watch it. And I've gotten work like that from, uh, you know, actors posting somebody you know, clicked on it and then clicked through to my website and say, hey, I have a job for you, you know, and the same thing goes for an actor. An actor who posts a good reel on a, on a website might get noticed by, you know, a directing friend of theirs, you know, or somebody, a friend of a friend and click through and, you know, get noticed in that way as well, if that makes sense. So yeah, yeah. I want to be able to, to, to have a sort of that professionalism, but I also want it to just speak to a larger essence of the actor themselves and end with the person watching it saying, wow, that person was a good actor. That, you know, that's the number one measure of success for me is if they end the, 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 the piece, you know, like with, a, with an impression that the acting that – the, that the person at the center is, you know, knows what they're doing and has a certain quality that they like. Yeah, yeah. What? Um, how do you go about advertising to get more clients? Is it word of mouth, referral? Are you doing like Facebook ads or the, you know? <laughs> referral has been my most important, um, you know, like component of the business. There's also been, uh, you know, uh, I, I spent like a you know a few hundred dollars on advertising at the beginning to get my initial clients, you know, and, and that was a real risk for me. I felt I was, <laughs> you know, I was extremely, you know, trepidatious, I think I would say, 
about um, you know about that because I really went into it having no idea of the market size. Um, you know, like, and I use kind of like AdWords. I, you know, like I, I, I did a few different, uh, you know, like a few different areas. And I, you know, fortunately I had people, you know, bite. I had people click through, watch the sort of sample video that I had made and say, yes, this is, you know, this is what I'm looking for. This is what I want, you know? Very cool. Now you said like you started like a, a year ago per se. And, uh, as you're building it, um, you know, when did it start? Uh, what part in the journey was it? Like three months in, six months in, did it actually start taking more traction on? Like where you were getting, let's say, more work than you expect. But like, well, this is pretty good. I'm getting pretty steady, you know, um, you know, reaction or feedback or clients. sure. Yeah, I, I think it took me about six months before I felt the traction. You know, I had a big sort of like burst of support at that outset, and then I did have a little bit of a lull that was really challenging for me and made and made me question. You know, is this really is this really you know a sustainable model? You know, but mm-hmm. then I had the trip out to New York. I had you know just a number of successful moments. You know, I had a film get into the London Short Film Festival that was you know pre- you know that was based on one of these reels and you know slowly that success began to kind of you know i think demonstrate itself and people began to take notice and refer me and you know and and it just you know you build up a solid reputation you build up a reputation just based strictly as a filmmaker you know and as a business you know uh service that can really you know meet the needs of of the people who reach out to you yeah yeah what was your um what was the impetus for your business, like savvy of knowing, like I, were you like did some, like an uncle of yours or something have a business background, or do you see some other people, or did you like connect it somehow? Um, you know, it was unquestionably my friend Saul who. Um, oh really. You know. Okay. connected me to it you know I, 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 he's a great friend you know he's a he's a really funny guy and um you know he had been reading um a lot of these books that were entrepreneurial in spirit what is it the timothy ferris four-hour work week um you know things of that nature and you know it had very much not been on my mind you know business <laughs> you know because it just seemed like such a foreign concept to me it felt like something that you know working stiffs did you know who who were in a completely different world than me once he you know he handed me those and i reluctantly read them i was inspired greatly by you know that feeling i think that a lot of entrepreneurs get that sense of you know oh wow i can have control over my future over my life over my finances you know i can have i can lead a lifestyle that you know makes me take ownership of my future and doesn't you know re- rely on waiting for the phone to ring you know, every day, you know, waiting for that big break, you know, the idea that you can create your own big break, you know, is it's it's an it's it's an inspiring idea. And yeah. frankly, I think it's something that all filmmakers should really get on board with, because so much of filmmaking is spent in that place before. But before you have crossed the barrier where you can actually produce the work that you want to produce, and a lot of it is searching for that money, searching for that infrastructure, searching for that idea or support or that agent who can really make you make it big. And once you start thinking in terms of 
business and services, you, you, your, your entire outlook changes and you start to see every agent that you meet and every producer and every actor as somebody that you say, okay, not what can you do for me, but what can I do for you? You know, mm-hmm. like what can I do for you that, that, that actually can, you know, align our interests, you know, and I think it can be a really liberating idea because when you merge that with the real creative spirit that a lot of people in Los Angeles has, you start to see avenues that you never saw before. You start to see ways to make your work that you never saw before. And frankly, it's the entire way that I'm able to make my business is because so many people are hungry to help each other. You just have to find some way to kind of connect with them on a level that actually makes, you know, kind of like some kind of collaborative, you know, like sense to it. Yeah, yeah. So if I'm an actor, like, what is the process of when somebody goes to first class reels and say, okay, I'm in, you know, um, do they, you know, do they come to you with a story idea? Like how, you know, kind of as much as you can take us through the sort of the process of the, the journey that they're going to experience when they work with you and they develop their, their reel. Everybody is different. You know, everybody is completely different. Um, you know, Again, I think a lot of them are responding to, you know, a a certain amount of pressure that they're getting. You know, they'll reach out to an agent who says, do you have a reel? No. Okay, well, come back to me when you do. Um, You know, and for a lot of actors, I mean, I think the number one solution is to reach out to a friend and say, hey, can you help me, you know, shoot a scene or something, you know? And I, you know, I think that's a a very good way of going about it, you know, but I, but obviously there's a lot of intangibles. There's a lot of uncertainty when you ask a friend to, to reach out to you. And, and so a lot of them, you know, just, they do end up looking for my services and, you know, like they Google it, you know, something like that. Um, and so they reach out to me and they say, okay, I'm looking for a reel. Usually it's something along, you know, like I, I want a comedy scene, a drama scene, a romantic scene, a military scene, a legal scene, you know, <laughs> right, right. that's, that, that's usually the way that they're looking at it because, you know, again, that's, that's, that's very much the frame set that the people they're showing it to are looking at it from, you know, it's like, okay, let's say I'm a casting director and I have six police officer roles that I need to, you know, to, to cast. And I have 1000 actors who have submitted for this role and I have 30 minutes to choose among them, <laughs> you know, like yeah, yeah. who I'm going to call in for an audition just, just to call in. Okay. So you're going to look really quickly. Okay. Do they look like a cop? Yes. Okay. Boom. I'll call them in, you know, like it, it's, it's very much just that they need any proof that you have some cognizance of you know like the essence of the role that they're looking for so so you know varying it by genre is the most consistent you know like way of going about it you know but but then breaking that down a lot of people have very different ideas you know like and frankly i think the the more specific the more impassioned your requests are the better I think, you know, like I, I like having my own leeway to take the scene in the direction that I want, but I also try to absorb as much of the actors, you kind of like energy as I can to really sort of say, wh- where do their strengths lie? Wh- where's their passion? Where are they going to really come alive and really deliver that line in that way that makes everybody say, oh, wow, yeah, that was brilliant. Um, and it becomes a, uh, you know, like it, uh, actors who have come to me and specifically said, look, in this one scene, I don't want to look sexy. I I want to look I want to look silly. I want to look awkward. I want to like I want to come across as funny and and weird because I know that's a part of my personality. Um and that really had helped you know to kind of like uh sort of channel into scenes that 
I was able to create that I think really did help them find work. Um, I've had actors come to me and just say, you know, I want to be wearing these dresses and, you know, like these, you know, like this costume and I just want to look good while it's happening. And so I try to like fill in the blanks, you know, it's a, you know, everybody has a different kind of like vision of what it, what they want it to look like. So it's a very, you know, it's a constant kind of dance trying to sort of meet their needs, try and sort of like retranslate it in my mind of like, okay, how am I going to film this? Um, and, you know, and, and just, I think in a lot of ways, that's what makes this such a fun business to be in is I never quite know what to expect from any of these people. You know, like I had one lady meet with me in a coffee shop and she said, look, I want you to make me dance and like in your video and make me look beautiful. And she got up and she danced right in front of me right there at the coffee (laughs) shop, completely (laughs) serious, very serious, just with a very serious look on her face, just to demonstrate that she knew how to dance and that she wanted me to like to understand that that was what she wanted. You know, Um, it's, it's, it's like, it's a really interesting business is all I can say. That's so funny. Do um, what's the process? Like, is it a, how long does it take you to sort of assess the person's strengths or talents and, you know, and try to match it up to their desires? You know, because sometimes um, I don't know if you are or if you're ever conflicted where, where somebody wants to be like, you know, OK, I want to be uh, make me a reel where I'm the leading man, all this action star stuff. And you're like, my uh-huh. God. OK, but. I go, you are so perfect <laughs> for like the, you know, like the sidekick or, or whatever. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's sad to be like we have to put people in types all the time. But mm-hmm. um, how, do you, how do you balance that kind of stuff or how, do you, how quickly do you assess somebody's talent in like a well, couple of hours? I mean, I, I will say this. There are actors that request, you know, roles that they are clearly not cut out for. Um, but I think – that actually happens a very small number of times. Um, I, I think that what is more common is for there just to be a, a an ambiguous risk between you might be more likely to get this role, but you also are more likely to get typecast in that role. You know, like maybe as you know the hot blonde, or you know, like the, but then you can never get a serious role, or you know, as the action man, but then maybe you want more comedy. You know, like. And in that realm, you have a choice, basically. You have a choice of whether or not to pursue a role that might be harder to get but that you want more um, versus a role that it might be more rational from a shrewdly business perspective but that might not be as rewarding. You know? And I try, to, I try to just bring the choice to my clients as clearly as I can and then let them decide. And for me, my, my view is very strongly you, as a filmmaker, you have the resources that you're given. And you should take accountability for the product no matter what. So if you have to find a way to make somebody kind of fit into a role that you might not think that they fit into, um, a lot of times I have found that pushing myself into that realm has actually transformed my own perspective of the actor and actually given them something that they could work with and pushed them toward a new career that they would not have had if I hadn't taken that chance on them you know so yeah. i guess what I, what i'm mostly saying is i i pay a lot of respect to an own, an actor's intuition of themselves mm-hmm. and their own belief and desire of where they want to go i think that's a very very you know, like enormous part of the whole real making process. And I try to say, if you believe it, 
I believe it. I'm going to go for it, you know, like, and then we'll just go as far as we can, as hard as we can. And I think again and again, I found a route, you know, it's about just placing your faith in, if you put your passion in it, if you put your belief in it, and if you actually try and make it good and actually care whether or not it turns out good, you can find some way to make anybody come across the way you want them to come across. Interesting. You're almost like hearing your passion behind it and hearing your process of working with uh, individual uh, talent differently. You're almost like besides just giving them a reel, you're kind of almost giving them a fantasy camp of like what it's like to be getting the best role in on a set in yeah. that whole process. Like so if you make it so enjoyable for them, even if like nothing comes of their acting career or their reels, you know, it, you know, it's, it's a hard business. They'll always remember just having a great time and sort of just fulfilling that fantasy. You're almost like those, those guys uh, who go out to uh, rock star camp. You know, it's a, mm-hmm. it's a fantasy oh, camp yeah, where yeah, guys yeah. like get out and they get to just rock out even though they don't might not know all the guitars. But just whatever it is, like th- those things are happening. And I think, you know, in some way you're subconsciously sort of uh, tapping into that, which is fantastic. You know, and, you know, because you're giving a a valuable experience for somebody who's paying for your service and your time. Now, um, as I wrap up here real quick, because I actually have to jam in a few minutes to get my daughter from school, but um, what advice do you have for actors? Like if they're coming in to, to work with you in terms of an acting reel, stuff like that. Uh, um, well, I, I think it's very clear in this day and age. L- look, scroll on your Facebook feed, look on Twitter. There's so much media out there. There's so much that we are being bombarded with. And there is an increasing desire, I think, for that authentic voice, you know, like, and it's something that's, that's, you know, in the age of media saturation, it's harder and harder to find that authentic voice and to, and to show it. But I do believe that time and time again, when you do find it, it does stand out. To that end, spearhead your own projects really take command of your own roles you know push back you know like uh, i even think it's good to to be a little bit argumentative um with directors with producers with people who want to push you into a certain category um you know i i do think it's extremely important to be kind of easygoing and easy to work with as an actor but all the most successful actors that i know are the ones that push themselves harder than anyone else I know and the and and they push and they push and they know what makes themselves come across right and they, they and they try really hard to bring that into every single role that they bring that, that they you know that they come to so you know like I think that if you have that core essence if you have that strong strong understanding of who you are and how you come across and where you want to go it can really Fuel your passion in a way that fuels your performances and people will respect you. People will absolutely respect you and it will absolutely show on the screen because there is no – you know, there's, there's no barrier between you and the viewer once you're on screen. It's like you're there. You're raw. Everything that's going on in your mind, they can see. They can interpret that. So you need to make sure that you have the goods and if you do have the goods – Push it, push it, push it, push it. You know, there, there are enough avenues in this industry that you can – make something happen for yourself if you have the desire you know most people that i've seen drop off drop off because it just wears them down the process wears them down you know i do think that no matter what if you have a strong enough 
desire for it, you can make something happen for yourself, especially in the age where it's so much cheaper and easier to make stuff than ever before. Right. Nice. That was nice. <laughs> that was a nice uh, advice. I hope people like got you know swept up in your energy. Um, <laughs> let me ask you. So even though you're based in Los Angeles and most of your clientele is probably coming from the LA area, which you should be, it's like, you know, like entertainment capital. But then when you got that call to go that someone was going to willing to fly you out to New York, what was your initial, like, Holy, well, you're like, Holy crap. Cool. Or. Yeah, it was, um, certainly surreal. Um, <laughs> you know, I would say it was, um, you know, I've actually been contacted in New York, uh, you know, a, a couple of times, uh, by, uh, agencies looking to kind of like, you know, promote their, you know, like their own sort of services for, for performers and things like that. You know, um, it's, it, it, it it's easy to, to kind of only look at your life as it is in the moment and not be able to imagine how it's going to be different three months from now. And I would think, I would say to you, you know, if you talked to me three months before that, you know, that I was going to be sitting, you know, and receiving that news, I would have told you you were absolutely insane. It would never have <laughs> happened. You know, like it's, it's easy to get worn down in this industry. It absolutely is. It happens to all of us, you know. Um, but if you convert your, you know, whatever is happening in your head into positive actions that are constructive, then yeah, I think it can really make moments that, you know, you don't even realize in the moment how transformative they are, you know, until, you know, you look back and you say, wow, you know, I will never be able to, you know, even if first class reels failed from here on out, at least I, I reached I reached that benchmark, you know, I, I reached that, level, you know, like, and, and it, yeah, it's a, it's, it's something to feel proud of. I, I, you know, I, I think. And then another thing you should be proud of, like when I listened to your uh, podcast interview um, by one of my favorites is John Lee Dumas of Entrepreneur on Fire. How did that come about? Did you, did you send like an application or just an email out that just like, Hey, this is what I'm doing or, and then when you got the call to be like, Hey, I like you to be part of the show. What was that whole like feeling like well again it was my crazy friend Saul you know he he was the one who who reached out and said hey you should like you know try reaching out to this this uh podcast and um you know and I was like all right sure I'll I'll give it a go you know it's like I think it's one of the most important con- components of being a business person is listen you know put your ear to the ground and just listen to other people and you and you know it's it's so easy to get sort of caught up in this whole like I know best you know like we're, we're, uh, all entrepreneurs I mean like, we have a certain kind of you know stubborn pride in you know ourselves and I think that you know it's important to maintain that that fire inside of you while also just saying I, I'm going to be open to the opportunities as they present themselves to me yeah I guess that's the whole thing just deep breath open yourself to opportunity that's a great great <laughs> tagline <laughs> yeah I now, guess so yeah <laughs> You know, it's interesting um, with the progress you're making, um, you may have done this already, but I don't know if you're like, um, you know, connecting with like uh, agencies or casting directors to be like, you know what, you might, if some actor that you think has value or or that don't have reels or something like that, you know, here's my reference. Because, you know, like, you know how it is, like people go to uh, an act, um, try to get an agent and the agent says, this is all good, but you need some new headshots. You know, we can't tell you to use a reputable agency will tell you, look, we can't tell you to use these photographers, but here's who we recommend or people we've worked with before to do a good job. And then, you know, I don't know if they go, well, then also if you need a reel, 
then you know definitely work with first class reels and you know we've had a really good experience with them those types of things cuz it reminded me of um it's kind of like the same thing in like real estate investing uh real estate uh, those the, the house flippers the guys who are hunting for flipping houses and stuff like that they'll get some of them the more successful ones getting good with a um uh probate uh, uh lawyer somebody who yeah. deals with the, anybody who passes away and they all this property they got to deal with then they just call like you know right away like hey just you know if you want to flip a house this 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 mar- this house came on the market the whole point is like you're already connected with certain people that are in need of that service and if you get the ref- uh, that's a, even another notch up of reference uh, I could definitely see uh, first class reels you know progressing towards that that area as well if you haven't already done it but I just thought. As we're talking, yeah. you know. Sure, yeah. Well, you know, I sponsored my first, you know, there was like an acting workshop that, um, you know, they put my flyers out, you know, in exchange for, you know, me doing a reel for them. Um, and, uh, you know, I got some references from that. And, you know, that was extremely helpful. You know, for me, it's it's something that I just... I am at that stage right now where I'm designing sort of outreach to a lot of these agencies, you know, Um it, it's important to me that when I scale the business, because right now it's very much just me, you know, right, like, right. Um, but I, I'm very much right now kind of exploring. And I've already met with a few people about kind of like, you know, like expanding my services. Um, I want to make sure that I do it in a way where I maintain the quality because quality is so tantamount, you know, like it's so important to me that I actually give something that is some, that, that is useful, you know, that, that is going to be, you know, um, effective in allowing these actors to kind of like step up their careers. And, you know, it, so I, it's been helpful to have this incubation period in my business where it was just kind of like me and my services. Um, but I do believe that there is a strong opening for first class reels to reach out to these agencies and start using group rates to find ways to get all of these actors better material for their reels that is, you know, like, you know, cheaper on an individual basis you know like and but also more sustainable for me no it sounds great it sounds uh you know like you said you're only into it a year it's uh should be very proud of your accomplishments and i'm inspired by a couple of things uh that you've been doing i was like oh yeah that's cool i get i get think about <laughs> you know implementing that or this or that you know <laughs> well sure yeah i mean it's a, it, we're 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 a generation that is defined more by artistic sensibilities than i think any generation prior to us a lot of people want to convert their art artistic souls into some kind of sustainable career, whether it's full-time, part-time, you know, the, the, the economics are, are changing drastically, you know, some things rise, some things fall, but I genuinely believe it's easier than ever nowadays to find an outlook, you know, uh, find some kind of a niche, you know, like for your, for your art that really allows you to express your true inner voice, because that's really what it's all about. It's about expressing your voice, expressing your passions and your, you know, like, and, and your, the, like your inner inner fire that you just want to push out into the world that is something that i think you know again it's like it's shifting it's making it more available to them to the people who are outside of the infrastructure of the you know like that's, that's so difficult to break into yeah yeah definitely uh as we wrap up here do you have any uh closing thoughts or a last bit of advice to filmmakers or entrepreneurs you know outside of just the actors um as we wrap up well, I would say, you know, again, to filmmakers, um, I think that you do yourself a great service by really con- contemplating the business component of, you know, what you have to offer. Because it's not just about um, break making that first break. 
every stage of the business I'm learning is very much driven by what are the business, you know, like what are the economic realities underlying, you know, your creative decisions, you know, um, get ahead of that. You know, take accountability for it. Stanley Kubrick was a notoriously excellent businessman, and that he and he got you know to produce some of the most original, authentic works that cinema has ever seen. I think that we open up our our, our abilities to make the work that we really want to make work when we are able to see ourselves as providing a business service in addition to a timeless work of art. Nice, very nice, man, Darwin. First of all, a great name, you know, <laughs> Darwin. It's like that's a very cool name. Um, I can't uh, thank you so much for your time, and it's really great to meet you. And I, I've got to meet Saul now. Now that he lives up here, I have to connect. Yeah, with the you got to reach out to him. Great guy, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you know, I'm down in Southern California, um, you know, here and there. So next time in in town, I'll, I'll uh, reach out and we we'll get together in person. Yeah, seriously. Shoot, shoot me like, uh, yeah, I'm always looking to kind of like make new connections and, you know, like, I, boy, it would just be great to kind of catch up with you. Yeah, definitely. Well, I will put all your info uh, into the show notes and, and blast it out there to, so people to follow up to, uh, follow up with you. Again, yeah, if you're I an actor. Uh, likewise, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, for if, again, if you're an actor, if you're looking, um, you don't even have to be in the LA area, but definitely check out First Class Reels. Uh, dot com and Darwin thank you so much for your time and I'll, Thanks, I'll catch Scott. up with you soon you have a good one okay we'll do okay <laughs> bye now bye bye and that concludes my interview with Darwin Carlisle of First Class Reels so if you're an actor anywhere as he mentioned that he got flown out to New York to do a reel for an actress um, again just go to firstclassreels.com to check it out And for those of you who know, at the end of almost every podcast I have, I offer a free gift. And this is at freegearguide.com. And this is an equipment list of everything I use to make a feature film for $500 with no crew. Um, So again, it's just a gear guide. It's just fun to flip through, see what cameras, uh, microphones, and and gear that I use to make this feature film. And again, that's at freegearguide.com. And it's really designed for anybody who's stuck like just trying to get their film project, you know, off the ground. Like just to see the possibilities of what you can do with so little. Also, as the end of the year is approaching, the holidays are here. Um, I could use a little holiday love. If you go to filmtrooper.com forward slash iTunes, that'll take you to the iTunes page. And I'm always looking for honest ratings and review of the podcast. Uh, the more that you do that, it's all free. Um, it helps the podcast grow and get out there to other people. And just uh, move up in the rankings in iTunes. So again, if that if you go to filmtrooper.com forward slash iTunes, you can do that as well. Thanks again, everyone, for tuning in. I will see you next time on the Film Trooper Podcast. 